Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A grain of rice. A grain of rice. If you want to tip the scale, just remember that. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show. Then we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Uh, hello, people. How are you all doing uh, into July? Uh, my great friend Fergie Tui, uh, teammate, clubmate, buddy, same age, told me uh, they're around the end of June playing golf. They were only going to get three wet days in July. Uh, so I texted him yesterday morning. I said, how is the three days in July working for you, Fergie? Uh, so there you go, we even cancelled the game of golf yesterday and we had uh, Donald Trump's house and all on a freebie uh, up there, uh, Trump International class class venue, but it was so bad, um, we couldn't face out in it. So this morning, guys, uh, delighted to have a special guest again uh, back on our one-on-ones. Larry is in the background there on sound and we won't bring him in if there's anything controversial with Tipperary mentions actually I have one beauty from under 21 final there <laughs> but delighted to be joined by Donna Magan and Kilkenny's finest uh, David Herty Hero uh, how the hell are you man? All good yeah kept busy at the moment picking fruit since about 6 o'clock this morning but thankfully I've got this excuse to get me out of that now so I'm happy enough with that <laughs> So come here yeah talk to me about that you, you have a fruit uh, organic fruit farm have you? That's it, down in uh, Dunhamagash. Sure, look, that's where my whole life has been spent pretty much all the summers, out picking fruit. My father would, he's a big old man. My mum's a, a Monaghan lady. So they would have moved to Loud and uh, worked away with um, McCann, you know, uh, Feist Bananas. Yeah. So they would have wanted to grow all the Irish apples in Ireland. So they, they asked the dad to pick a site somewhere in Ireland to, uh, to, to grow their whole enterprise so he picked just happens that he picked Kilkenny and picked Dunhamagan and that's kind of how we get we moved down there and grew all the apples so I would have grown up with about 50,000 apple trees that was the joy of that um, as a young lad so that's what your whole evenings were spent you go to school you come home you pick away at it um, and then as years went on obviously Feist understood geez you can start growing apples a bit cheaper abroad so the dad then and between Feist and that day the dad bought the farm Put down a good few of the apple trees, obviously, and uh, just made his business. That's that's what he was doing then for the rest of his life. And did you have to spend your kind of under fourteen years chasing the local young lads out of the apple 
There was a oh. there was a small bit of that, all right. Yeah, you start building up the fences around the place and see a little trail of apples coming out certain gates off the farm. But no, mostly most of your like every, every everything about you know your character or anything like that has kind of gone back. My father's a he's a workaholic, pretty much. I'm not going to give away his age, but he's a Anyway, he seems to have found, I always say that, like, you know, in the smoggies, when they're always searching for that oracle of youth, he himself and mam found it a long time ago, anyway, so yeah. uh, they're kept going. He'd be exhausted looking at them. And like, they, they, a, They're non-stop it, at it. And, it's a pre-six o'clock start, like, would it be every, every day? And look, it is for myself at the moment, because when it gets me out of the first feed, I obviously have a, have a young lad now, he's only five months old, but the days kind of consist of getting up at six o'clock, you go over, you, you work away, and then, you kind of get out of that morning routine. It gives you four hours away from the, the child at the start of the morning. And then uh, you go over there, you come back again, then you do a bit of work and I'll get busier. It's kind of just fruit at the moment, strawberries at the moment. But uh, as time moves on now, it'll move into the, the vegetable side of things. And then obviously Christmas is another massively busy period then as well. But, yeah, uh, yeah, you kept going at it. But it, like that's, that's from day one, school, college, I would have always just grown up and, and you're working away on your farm and, and from the early mornings from six o'clock pretty much till till night time until you had to go off train and that's what you spend your days at yeah hurling was the one thing that got you out of it it was and you'd be thrilled with it and it was but the only thing is the father was he was a strict enough man like if you I remember times there you'd win in All-Ireland on a I don't mean that kind of flippantly like but you, you could, <laughs> it sounded a bit flippant no hero <laughs> but you know you could win it on a Sunday and then you'd, you know, you'd go out and you'd, you'd have your night. And then on the Monday, you'd ask him, you know, you'd have to do your morning's work. You'd have to work till about three o'clock. And then you'd have to kind of ask him maybe, you know, is there any chance you might give me a bit of a lift back into town? And the look of disgust, he couldn't get over. Like, you've done it. You've played the match. You've won it. You've had your celebrations. What's the day two about like? But I'd only ever been a one or two day person growing up, which was, it kind of killed me, but it kept me grounded as well, I suppose. You probably needed to choose the more than the Monday at that stage, though. That's uh, look, that. That was it, and, and between that, sure, everything was always over so bloody quick. Then you're back into either work or school. But we've won, you know, we won colleges growing up and county finals. And come Monday, no matter what, like I remember winning an intermediate title with with the club back in 2000. And come nine o'clock next morning, you're in Callan CBS. That was it. There wasn't yeah. definitely there was never a, a, anything about taking a day off. It was fairly strict, but I kept me kept me grounded. Fair play, fair play, and uh, yeah, there's a few. I was just talking to Jackie actually last night. He said, he said, yeah, he'd often arrive to train with his strawberry short on. All right, coming straight from picking, you know. So, but he's another man that's sleep yeah, deprived at the moment. There's a lot of you know getting busy uh, since you've gone off the scene. You're getting busy at the other ends of things. <laughs> yeah, well, it was anyway, but a year and a bit, a year and a half ago, just quite. Um, but yeah, I have a young lad there, Oliver, say he was he was born on January 30th. But just changes your whole changes your whole life. I'm blessed. I bought a house down in Kilkenny. I've moved down to Kilkenny the day, got the keys the day of lockdown. So I'm pretty much just concentrating on that since and uh that has given me great great chance. I know obviously look at not not to play down the whole COVID and everything that has happened, but it has been a blessing in disguise for myself to be able to have five months pretty much in in or uninterrupted with the young lad and be able to kind of bond with him and see him kind of growing up like uh, between traveling back up to school up in Dublin in uh, Huntstown up in Dublin I d you know I would have had to been up at, at obviously about half six anyway and then you're kind of you're going to school and then obviously managing Kildare at the moment as well I would have had to probably pop off 
to Kildare on the way home and then by the time we get back it's probably 11 o'clock and it's just a routine again and she would have missed out on a huge amount so at least in the future if there are any other kids you'd like to think that you have a fair amount of experience underneath the belt I'll never get this chance again to, to be yeah. able to experience to pretty much have six months maternity leave so all the hype about teachers not really wanting to go back in September and all there's none of that too well my wife's a school secretary so she takes your, your side on the, on the defence of their you actually do want to go back to work, yeah? You do. I would happily go back in the morning. It, like it's, it's, actually, it's just not the same. Like, you know, I know a lot of people often ask me, would you like to go and, and be a principal? Like, it's not. It's, it's just, it's the hands-on in the classroom. It's, it's getting in. It's, it's having the crack, really, with, with the, the children as well. And, you know, if, trying to leave messages on the morning, kind of, we've Aladdin Connect. That's the kind of the, the, the forum that we, we were using. But, kind of talking into your phone and then sending up a message and someone sends you back a message. It's just, it's not the same at all. And you see certain children can't, you know, certain pupils can't get back onto you as well. And actually you have no connection whatsoever. So I it just... And you, you were living in Kilkenny all along anyway, were you? And going up and down. No, no, I was living up in Finglas, yeah. up in Dublin. And it's only okay. then, um, everything has, has pretty much been rushed between having a baby and moving house. That's all happened within space of about a month and a half. But I was just blessed that we said we'd move down and then see, I was going to spend the next 10 weeks, the hope was to move down around April and then spend 10 weeks commuting up and down to Dublin, see what it's like and then see what I'd be able to do it in the future. Yeah. I suppose that was kind of taken away from me. So I am doing the Kilkenny at the moment and look, it's the, the most logic thing is that I will be looking for a job down here now as well. There's a few okay. jobs coming up and trying to send off the application form and see how that goes anyway come September. Yeah, all school principals out there get tuned into the Irish Examiner podcast <laughs> there. Uh, David is looking for something local. Um, is Hunstown a bit of a culture shock from a, a, for a Dunhamagan lad? Hero, you know Do you know what? It, it, was, it was ideal. I, um, you know, I, I, I would have found that... Obviously, just even when it, when it came to when it came to Kilkenny, um, I found that it was it was great to go back up into a school where literally nobody nobody whatsoever knew anything about hurling, and that you could go this along. Is my, you, this is my time as Dublin manager. Now you're talking about like so. Hold a minute here now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. In Unstown, they hadn't a clue, but, but it was brilliant. For you know the, the staff, I would have found that were excellent. There was times then things didn't go right in the match, but you'd be able to go back into school the next day and. Uh, and again, like the, the children were never going to turn around and go, geez, what about that ball there now to come in there in the second half? And the staff were just happy that you went and played a match, you won the match, and everyone was happy. There was no kind of, uh, yeah. there was no great analysis on the game, and I loved it. It was just, you even could be anonymous you, up there. Even if you had sixth class and it was the Ireland final, like, would it be too you know what? They that? didn't say a thing. There was only, there was one, one principle anyway that uh, I thought I got away with it. It was 2011, and I suppose the goal of the end wasn't the, wasn't the best in the world. But he decided to come out over the intercom anyway and say, well, Lund he, kept, he was a mead man. He kept, he kept it fairly short and sweet. He goes, well, Lund to Mr. Hersey on the match the weekend. We won't say anything about the goal. And that was the end of the, his intercom message. Come on. That was, man that was exactly, Come on. That was pretty much it now. But he, uh, apart from that, the staff were, staff were fantastic. Yeah, you know, even in their support of everything, you know, and before matches. Ah, the pupils just... They enjoyed it, but they didn't, didn't know a whole lot about it, no. Kind of out there, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of nationalities. Very few played actual sport itself. So it was, and it was the perfect headspace to try and get away from uh, the Kilkenny side of things and supporters, I suppose. Would the club out there be, be Peregrines, would it? That's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, have, they, have good, uh, they have a lovely facility out there. 
Fabulous, yeah. Fabulous it's, stand uh, and everything. And there's a lot there, of good. Yeah. There's a lot of good work going in. Exactly, lovely stand in there. Right, that that would be a, a perfect set. And I remember a few times there, even with Dublin Camogie, trying to get out to the likes of Peregrines as well. Because wow. it's a small stand. You try and you try and get a bit of a crowd there behind you, but then sure, I suppose between politics and one thing and another, it's always difficult enough to to yeah, try and yeah. get the places you want to Dublin as well. I know, I know. Dave, <laughs> yeah. just uh, I suppose we better mention a bit of hurling uh, here and there. Um, you. You were a kind of a boy wonder, like in fairness, a three a three year Kilkenny minor. That's 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 where going. Like, but was that on the back of the Callan CBS success? Yeah, everything seemed to. Nineteen ninety eight would have been a massive year. Um, it started off definitely. I would have been on the under fourteen team, Kilkenny under fourteen team with Michael Rice and Tommy Welsh in in ninety seven, and then ninety eight. Brother Damien, the late great brother Damien, would have had that college's team, and I would have been in goal with that. Um, and that kind of, that really kicked on absolutely everything then. That kind of put your name out there, especially with the, especially with the team that was in it. Um, you know, like Noel Hickey, my brother Colin, but uh, Jerk or Jack O'Cork and John O'Neill, James Royal, Jesus Canis Hickey. It's only kind of now you, you, you really look back, there was a, there weren't really household names at the time. We just had a brilliant team. Kieran's Hallies, you know, they, they nearly had five or six counties represented on their team and they had borders and so on, but we nearly had five or six families. You know, we had Corcoran's, we had the Clears from Ballycallan, we had the Hickeys, obviously myself and the brother as well then. So it was, uh, it was, yeah, it, it kicked it on. It put, it put kind of, it put you out there, I suppose, a little bit more. And then, and then when it, later on that year, we won the County Minor Day title uh, with Dunhamagan, which was a complete shock. That was, you know, we barely that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been heard of yeah, a few uh, years that before team. that. This was, the, this was the great James Stevens team that at, at Tony Forrest's level at under 14, they would have had 17 on the under 14 panel on the Kilkenny panel. So this was, this is where they were at. I'd say the closest any team had ever come to them was probably about 20 points. And then it just so happened on the day, we'd know Hickey centre forward, but we ended up putting him back full back. Now he was a full back anyway, but we ended up putting him back there and just between everything, we brought everyone back and just... Like, it wasn't sweep or anything. We just put all our, our stronger players. My brother was out midfield. We won a few frees and just popped it over. Kept popping balls over the bar. And it was complete freak. But from that then, kind of win the two of those. Then, I suppose, luckily enough, Jimmy Dunn, the actual, our club manager, became the county minor manager. And they, <laughs> that wasn't the reason. You're not suggesting I, politics was involved here. <laughs> I spent years trying to defend this there for different lads, all right? But, uh, yeah, got it. Yeah, look. I, I was very fortunate then as well get on the minor team for something that I would have always thought that you know I would have always seen it as the great lads did that at underage it was a difficult enough thing to do I would have always seen the rest of the lads that did it as being absolute geniuses never myself I suppose that, but it was brilliant to kind of have that monopoly I went for the three years minor and then into the three years under 21 so I suppose the natural progression was then that you'd go in kind of senior wise then but that, that I had to wait Just, my turn then for that just to touch on, on the 21s, I mean, obviously you won two All-Irelands. Am I right, Dave, yeah? Yeah, yeah, three and four, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, the 204 beating Tip in Nolan Park a week after losing the All-Ireland, like, 21 points. Was that a sort of a... I know you, it's, you couldn't think it at the time, but looking back, was that a sort of a catalyst of what was to come in some ways? And I look at some of the names on that team, you know, with Richie and Chad, Mick, Mick Finley, Connor back. Yeah, and that, that yeah, Tommy. like, but even, even, even going back to the 2000, the 2003 team, like Martin Fogarty and Mick Dempsey took over that year. And, 
I know I'll disrespect to any of the rest of the managers that we would have had, but the very first training session, um, they would have brought us in to Spring Hill. And I, I still remember vividly that, that I brought, I drove Tommy over to Spring Hill and just on the way out, Jackie, kind of, we got the sense that Jesus, something different here. Like just between us, like, I know it's easy kind of looking now and seeing the amount of medals that a lot of lads in Kilkenny have won and All-Stars and so on, but we had nothing. Like I played three years minor with, with Kilkenny and never got to a final. Cork bet us in, the, in their final year. That was the year Keir Murphy managed to bag 3-3 in the All-Ireland semi-final. But we were fierce. Uh, and we, were, we were medals deprived hugely. I remember Martin Fogarty then. remember he had one clip. And he was, I don't know what he was trying to aim at, but maybe it was the Kieran's lads and the amount of medals that they had. But he had, he had this frog on a lily pad on the pond and he put like one medal on it and then he put another medal on it and eventually drowned the frog. And what he was trying to get at was, you know, sometimes if you have too much success, it can kind of it'll end, it'll end careers. And, but he had a message. I think that was kind of the Kieran's lads to kind of cop on. Like we have a decent team here. If we get our heads, heads right, we can achieve brilliant things. And, it was just a different style with Martin. I don't know, he was kind of a, he was, he was just such a huge, he was a fantastic coach and Mick Dempsey brought in the kind of testing, which we never would have done before in the past and, 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 and the strength and condition. And obviously that would have then fed into the senior side, but there were two very extremely enjoyable years. And obviously the lads that played on that team, the likes of Jackie and JJ and Christ, the, the, you know, Tommy, Connor Phelan there for years, uh, Aidan Fogarty, and then you had talked about the 2003 team, or 2014 then with Richie and Fenno Power. Owen Larkin couldn't Larkin even make that team when he came on as a But they, they were just, I don't think, I don't think losing the All-Ireland was really, in 2003 it was just getting to a final. Like, I remember we bet Dublin in, and again, no disrespect to Down, but I remember Tommy texted me the next day, goes, we're finally going to get to a final. Like it was just in, the, the feeling of that. I still remember getting it in my kitchen, uh, getting that text message, and it was we couldn't believe it. Like that, that's that's where we were after coming from. Absolutely had no sniff of an All Ireland. Leinster's barely getting to Leinster's, but we generally, I'd say, we're always underprepared. We just about did enough to to win in Leinster, and then we come to an All Ireland semi final, and some better prepared team would just come up or come up with a tactic, or whatever, and they they'd they'd end up beating us, but. Martin and Mick then kind of changed things up and that's where we ended up. Uh, and was, it no... the, was it on the back of that thing, Harold, that, that, that Cody brought in Mick and, and um, Martin? It was, yeah. Ah, Jesus, yeah. They, they, like Martin would have known all the different players. I'd always kind of say Brian has a, a unique talent in picking up potential senior managers and bring them in under the wing. And then maybe as years go on, they just tend to fade out a little bit so there's Martin was brought in alright and then he left the panel in, in after 2013 but he's done that kind of even with McGarry would have won two all or would have won an All-Ireland with Ballyhale and yeah. you know he's not even muted now at any uh, about taking over the senior job at all and Derek Ling would have been another one that would have been seen as, as potentially taking over but he's always had that good job I know he kind of asked Henry in at the start of the year and Henry declined so Maybe Henry's that's... waiting. Henry's waiting. Henry's he, waiting. Let D, he let DJ off. <laughs> DJ's another one. Under-21 manager, yeah. Brought him in. Brought him in underneath his wing. He's clever enough what he does, but Henry, Henry's standing in the, in the shadows there, ready to take over. It's a... Yeah. He hasn't, hasn't lost a feckin' match as manager, like. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> nah, Jesus. Uh, you know, it really is. It is. When, it is, you, when you think of... When you think of even the two of them, like you could be, you could be managing or coaching for the next hundred years, and you still won't have won 
But Cody or even Sheffield has won within two years. It's it's scandalous. Scandalous. But, like look, any, but getting back to Martin and Mick, they would have been they would have yeah. been brilliant. But it, it's funny seeing them seeing them back in three and four and what they did with the players and bringing them on and great crack and there was huge banter and addressing them. And I think that's what we needed. We needed good coaches. We needed to, to have a, a kind of a style of play. But but then it's funny. By the time I joined the panel in two thousand and eight, the edge was kind of knocked off. You could always see that. You could see that with certain players as well. That, but even management, that you, the person you knew back then in younger in your younger years or in your youth or even playing with McGarry or Ling, by the time they got to kind of the senior in the senior setup, you knew things had changed. There, there was a kind of a very there was a small bit more of a distance then. And were you brought in? in were you brought in briefly, Haro, around the time of the twenty ones with the seniors? I was brought in in two thousand three when Gary broke his ankle down below in Cork. And PJ Ryan then was put in, in, in goal for the 2003 league final. That was the, the mental one, 5-17 to 5-16 oh, yeah, yeah. uh, up in Crow Park. So I was brought in for a short while. I was there the day the Leinster semi-final where the wind that shook the door with Charlie Carter walking out. I yeah. was there in the dressing room that day and then just got a, I suppose, a phone call after that and kind of go, McGarry's back. That's the end of that. So, so I kind of went into hibernation then for... I, I, that, well, could you describe? Could you describe that Charlie Carter moment to us? Charlie was just—he was on the bench, but there was a lot of like Brian McAvoy. There was a lot of frustration around that time as well. But I think a lot Philly, of lads Philly Larkin. Philly Larkin was there, and Brian McAvoy. Sorry, uh, Brian McAvoy as well uh, left. But there was, there was. You know, I remember. I remember one day there in training, Charlie got—he just got a dunt and he fell over and just walked off the pitch. You know, just, I mean, that's me. You know, I've got a bit of a knock there. I'm heading off. Like there was, you could see that. Uh, there was, the, the tension was building, definitely. But right. at the same time, there was, there was such an array of talent, Christ, coming up. Like, it, it, was, it was huge. And I think it was on the back of, you know, a lot of lads, even, even around the, the Kilkenny as well, would have looked at Connor Field and probably go, why is Connor playing? And Connor would have only been probably one year under 21 at that stage. But Jesus, Brian has always kind of maintained that if you're playing well in training, that you'll get playing and Connor was flying it in training but I suppose that frustration would have been kind of around Kilkenny why isn't Charlie playing or Charlie would have been a hero and yet Connor wasn't he was only starting off in his journey as well so there was all these things leading into it but again it didn't phase it and like anything once you win the All-Ireland everything else is swept under the rug man it, that's, that's everything's <laughs> alright once you win yeah tell me about it that's the, it is no matter what you do in life once you win everyone forgets about everything else and come here Hero you like those few years then from 04 we'd say to 08 like what you weren't playing football did you? I know you played for your club obviously like in that one yeah no, I know I've always played anyway f- football and wise from from underage up it would have been a frustration there like I would have always been it would have been a frustration that I wasn't taken more seriously like I was in goal so when you're in goal you're, you know back then you stayed in that small box but then getting a chance to get outfield I would, have, I would have been fit and athletic, I suppose. That would have come from the farming as well and, you know, stretching away. You'd never have any kind of injuries, but you got a, got a chance to get out the field. I would have played away with the, the minor team and then the senior team. And, oh yeah, it was, it, was, it was a massive honour. I would have, in 2000, and we would have played a few Tommy Murphys. Yeah. You know, I say we kind of played Tommy Murphys. We showed up. I'd say <laughs> if there was a breathalyzer on the pitch, pretty much it would have just broken it down. It was absolutely... It was carnage for a few years where it just wasn't taken seriously. Like, I remember playing a Tommy Murphy cup. We played against Antrim on a Sunday and on the Saturday, Kilkenny were playing Galway and we turned up, we turned up 
parked a car in Castlecomer. As I was walking past the first pub to go up to the next pub, we're getting a bite to eat. The captain shoved his head out the window, followed by the vice captain, followed by one of the county board. And that was it. That was the start of it. We went up, we realised we had 13 pairs. We picked up two lads that were on the beer in the pub. And we headed off with our 15 lads up. Everyone had bottles. So myself and Sean Flynn, the cornerback, didn't. I know that sounds a bit dry. But I was just thinking, like, we're taking on a senior team. If we can't beat them sober... There's little chance that absolutely tearing the arse over for the next 24 hours is going to do, give us any sort of an edge. But having said that, lads, I remember again, I won't say the captain, vice captain's name, but they eventually woke up beside the swimming pool, indoor swimming pool up there in the Armagh border. What's called that place? Is it the... Oh, the Carrickdale. That's the no? Carrickdale. Yeah, they woke yeah, up yeah. there at 8 o'clock the next morning. Um, and I think a couple of sound, uh, sun loungers beside the pool. And we went off and played them. And then after about 10 minutes, we were 1-2 to a point up against Antrim. Everything was absolutely buzzing. And then the effects wore off. I don't think we scored again. But at one point, a lad went down injured and our selector had to, a selector who was smoking a cigarette, had to look like he was about to get up off the bench. He wouldn't have been the fittest lad in the world now, but thankfully your man got back up again. Your man sat back down again. Absolutely raging. He put out a cigarette. But that was that. I mean, that was kind of the low point. Then we kind of hit, then 2008, it said, right, we're going to get a team together. And we ended up heading back into the National Football League. And I, I was made captain, which would have been a massive honour. It would have kind of gone against even the club. We hadn't won the county final, so. But, you know, which wouldn't have been uh, seen. You normally win the county final, you get the captaincy. But I suppose I would have taken it seriously enough, even my days in St. Pat's up in Drumcondra. But we went on and we won, we won a league game against London which was massive. It, was, it happened before the, the league semi-final with the hurlers. Tip bet the hurlers. We won the football. We, we bet London. And it was incredible. Is there any truth in the rumour there that you got kind of a call-up while going for a pee at half-time in a football game by Mr. Cody? Is there any truth in that rumour? That you might come in training next week or something. Was it a double header or something like that? And, oh, I was told uh, a story like that that you were just on your way to the Jacks. And uh, you met senior Harlan selectors. Oh, was, sorry, Jesus, yeah, that would have been two thousand and eight. Then, yeah, I was I was with the footballers, and we're heading, just heading to the toilet, and that was it in Langtons. And on the way back out, Brian just called me over. Now I kind of knew at the time, Richie O'Neill, the third choice goalie, he was after doing his cruciate, and uh, you know, I figured, look, he might stay, stay, still stick with the, the two goalies, but um, again, just on the way back, Brian just said David called me over and then he just because he does he kind of started looking you up and down and kind of going you're looking fit without saying anything you know but just kind of you're looking fit and then there's silence you didn't have to kind of fill the silence but then there's an there's an awkwardness of going am I saying the right thing or am I not but he, he said look again like yeah I'm sure he says so a lot of lads uh, will bring you in for a short while if it goes well if it goes well if it doesn't it doesn't and that's that's the extent of that conversation, but it was huge. Like, you know, after that, you're talking about that 2004 team, at one stage, I think 13 lads off the panel of the, of the team that played that day were brought into the panel. It was only myself, Shane Hennessy, and Kieran Hine that weren't. You're always kind of thinking then, Jesus, I'm, I can't be that bad of a hurler that out of all those other lads that were brought in, that I'm the one of three lads that weren't. But I suppose it did, it did coincide with, again, I wasn't playing well enough at club level and then thankfully there was a club all-star there were club all-stars in Kilkenny at the time and I got it in 2006 and 7 
got the goalkeeping one. So that kind of lent itself then to kind of maybe getting the call up, a, justifi- a justified call up then in 2008. And you had to go in as, as your third choice then. You just, you wouldn't even be talking the day of the games, like, would you? Oh, you would. No, back then you could talk as many as you want. Right, but like, yeah. it, was, it, was an, it was an unusual... 2008, look, I know I have a medal from it and it, it is brilliant. And, and to get your first medal is fantastic. But I spent every single training session on the sideline. And what I used to... The extent of, of my training was you do all the warm-up with all the lads and that. And then when the match went on, there was this kind of like FBD insurance sign on the side of the pitch up in the top right-hand corner. And I went up and every day I just chipped away with it. A bit like your man in Shawshank Redemption. I just chipped away. This was my thing to do. So I'd go up and I'd smash another little bit off this FBD insurance thing <laughs> and work away in it and work away at it. At the end of the training, you'd go in and you get your meal and it was hard enough to, to even bond with the lads. Dave Hurley. You know, Dave Hurley. He, he chipped away. He chipped away at the FBD. <laughs> Until eventually, in 11, he found himself in goal. <laughs> but that was it. Like, he, there was, even after the, even, I remember after 2008 final, like, you were buzzing, but you, you didn't kind of have your, your click or connection there. But I remember, like, even winning, the, winning the final was phenomenal. But I remember going back to the City West, I was a single lad, and, and you know, no, no one else, no family were there. The family didn't. Um, my sister would have supported me, but my, my parents would stay at home and they'd watch the matches that way. But um, I went back to the City West and I remember just buzzing, just feeling like that this is going to be the best night of my life. No ties whatsoever. It's going to be absolute carnage. Like I, I, the medal probably didn't mean as much to me as the night of an All-Ireland final, of just what you're going to, just a yeah. crack, really. So I remember then drinking, they were, they were naming their All-Star team and I went out and had a, a Jaeger with... Uh, Willie O'Dwyer and Duncan Cody, Brian's son there at the bar, they were on the panel at the time. I said, I'm going into the toilets here and uh, I'm just going to have a quick nap. That's it, 10 minute nap. This is kind of something I generally tend to do sometimes if I go missing. Just have a nap and then you wake back up again. Because you can be, you know yourself, you're up at seven o'clock, it's a mentally draining day, the whole thing. So I went for my nap anyway, I woke up and I was, you know, you get, you get a rush of energy, you're like, this is, oh, you know, that was incredible. And uh, I went to get up anyway, the legs were slightly numb. And I went, a bit unusual. And then uh, I checked the phone. And I saw, I said, uh, 06.42. Obviously, the energy came back into legs, walked out and realized I'd slept absolutely straight through the first night. Seven hours abs- on, the, on the toilet there. City West. But it was just, it was the loneliest walk I've ever done, going back up to the room, just kind of going, it just, this couldn't have happened. But probably the, the saddest part of it was, I checked my phone, I'd only one missed call of a private number. Now, one person realized I was gone, missing... No one cared. So that was my involvement in 2008, anyway. This, this, this third choice goalie, I'm getting fucking more sorry for him as he goes Jesus. Yeah. Okay, okay. You, you get in you get in, in 11 after the failed five, five in a row. Uh, you big failures, you. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, you, you get in for 11. And that's just force to form. Just, just your time had come. Just you push past PJ at that stage. I, do you know it, it's unusual at the start of 10 like, you know I, again I suppose you, you have to kind of get into the head of Brian Cody and I always kind of think that there should be some sort of college course a psychology kind of course where everyone where people should just study him and everyone <laughs> should just tell there should be books written about him because I can't get into his head you know I, you know, I talked about Martin earlier on and in, in 2008 well, I didn't do anything 2009 then I would have I would have been in 
it was Richie came back from his, his cruciate. So PJ would have been in goal for one, he would have been in goal for the, just say the 40 minutes of training and then I just would have switched over at half time with, with, uh, with Richie. And then I was kind of getting a night, I know I picked up a kind of a, a, a cartilage injury in the knee and I was kind of getting frustrated with everything. I'd started off brilliantly at the start of, the, of, of 10. And uh, I would have said then to Martin Fogarty, kind of going, is there any chance, Martin, that I can play a full game in training? Because I'm clearly the sub-goalie. You put me at number 16 every single day and have done all year. Which, that was, that was me stepping above where I should be stepping. I should just kind of keep my, keep stum and play away in the corner there and do whatever you do. But Brian came down to me a couple of, uh, sorry, a training session later and he just goes, how, how do you feel you're getting on? And I said, look, I've lost a little bit of confidence, obviously, with the injury to the knee. And he just cut me, he cut me there fairly straight and he goes, you have, con- you have lost confidence and you're no longer definite on the match day panel. So that was, <laughs> that was it. So that was, that was this, like, that was that. So in other words, you've no confidence. <laughs> you could be, you're potentially going to be dropped. So there you go. So it's the character to stick. So that was, that was kind of it. It kept going the way it was going. And then when we lost the final, Brian will always see that as a, an opportunity then to spice things up. And he, he came up to me then after I got the operation during the off-season. And he'd come up to me the very first train. They were having a test, I think it was just before Christmas. And he just goes, how's the knee? I went, grand. He goes, how many of those goals in the final would you have stopped? That's right. I just panicked and went three. And he went, just nodded. And that was enough for him. And like I'd imagine, and that was just regular goalie bluff, P- like oh, a hundred percent, yeah. Like that, that was, you know, if I said, "Oh Jesus, no, I don't think I would have stopped anything," you know, then he probably would have went right. Where's this lad at? But PG had broken an arm, which Jesus, he had broken a bone in his arm in two thousand seven. I suppose his puck out, Brian would have seen that his puck out now wasn't clear in the half back line, and that's, and he would have probably picked, he'd pick up something that they're not, we're not now clear in the half back line. We need someone with a bit of a longer puck out. There you go. That's, it could be as simple as that. And that was yeah. the end of me. And that, that, that was the, sorry, the end of PJ. And, and I got in then and uh, could go right for you, go wrong for you. But 2011 just happened to go very, extremely well. And, um, you know, you know, you know you, again, going back, getting back to your question, you're like, well, was it timing or was, was it whatever? But I would have played in 2011 and we would have won. In 2012, we would have won. And then in 2013, the very first training session in, in, in Nolan Park, whatever that was, January, I would have got called into the doctor's room with Brian and Martin Fogarty. And the, it was just like, change happens, David. And it was like, um, but, and I was oblivious to it. Like, I was like, all right, yeah, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're going to be chatting to everyone here now and they're going to have a little message for everyone. I kind of got the hint after a few league games when change happens means you're not in goal and Owen is in goal. But, that was it. It was just a case of change happens. It wasn't, there was no, he just went, McGarry tallied a few more years and PJ came along, change happens. PJ tallied a few more years, you came along, change happens. So I walked out, I still remember joking about down in Langton's going, what's he on about this change happening? What? No clue what he's on about, but I, I, I soon realised, all right. And did you know, I would say, like obviously Owen is, is, is very well, touted now as the best goalie in the country let's say yeah. you know at this stage and, and there's so many angles to his game as well as you know but um, could you feel like you're after winning back-to-back All-Irelands like in goal could you feel this guy opposite you in training uh, those nights uh, that yeah, he, in, this guy is really really good here yeah I, I still moment of stupidity I, I 2012 semi-final I came out for a ball against Larry Corbett 
and I hesitated. I went to rise a ball. I should have flicked it out to the side, but I, I went to rise it. Lar bumped into me, and Pa Burke picked up the ball and stuck it in the net. So anyway, that was that. Second half, then two quick balls in the first five minutes hit the cross, hit the post, and came back down around the square. So it just looked, there was about five minutes before halftime and after halftime, it looked disastrous. And I'd be fierce critical on my own performance um, the whole time. Like, geez, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny. You know, you come in at halftime and Brian just comes over to you and goes, are you okay? And just shout at you, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm grand. Like, you know, it's okay. Um, <laughs> and that's it. And you go back out again. But stupidly, I, I, at the very next training session, now I, I'd be a fierce, kind of excessive, extreme person anyway when it comes to training and everything in life. But if training was at seven, I'd arrive Sorry, if train was seven, you'd normally arrive at around six. But as time went on, I started arriving at half five. And he came out then early to me one day, or that next train, he goes, what do you think? And I said, ah, yeah, look, it's, yeah, you know, made a mistake there. And then he just went, oh, what's Owen like? Just casually, what is Owen like? And I went, and I said, and now Owen, Owen had played in goal minor at 2008, but he hadn't done a whole lot since. And I said, Owen's like a sponge. And he was. I said, he's phenomenal. Every, everything I do, Owen does it and he's picking up things really, really quickly. But he, he's just, he, he has so many brilliant qualities. Um, and I said, whenever that, this is, this is the one that'll kill me for life. I said, whenever that lad gets in goal, no one will ever take the jersey off. Now, that, like, I think if you ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer. And that to me is, I couldn't, like, Owen just has this incredible athleticism. Like, I could, I could spend that whole year and, and did um, getting caught up on kind of trying to improve footwork and trying to prove everything, but just Owen has it. And, and, you know, even the ability, I always wanted to catch a ball going over the bar. That was just my thing. I'd love to be able to catch a ball going over the bar, but Owen would just do it. Owen's probably, a, geez, he looks to be about a foot smaller than me, but he just has that ability, which you would have seen against Watford that year in, in the semi-final, to be able to jump about a foot above the bar, catch a ball and jump out. It's only kind of, you know, since you kind of realise these things that I'm going to have certain things, other lads are going to have certain, we all have different body types. You know, you'll have an eight-pack, Dale. I'll I'll have to work my arse off to to. But I'd have never, you'd never have your size. You know, I'd never have your strength whatsoever. You'd Owen be well off never after have. lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like different lads have different body types, but I would have got yeah. caught up in different things. But Owen just had the package. It, it was incredible. His wrist work, hands, footwork. He hit the ground. He'd be back straight back up again. The only thing he I felt he was kind of lacking and probably lacked a little bit then in, in 13 and even into 14 was just a bit of experience to know when to come and go or, or to talk to the backs and organise the backs. That's the one thing I knew I had. I was very good at communicating with backs, trying to close off positions and trying to have them like little, you know, like Alsatians. And when you say go, you go. And I say stop, you stop. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I played behind Noel Hickey for years. Still the best player I ever played with. Whatever you told him to do, he did it. He was phenomenal. But like, Owen just lacked that small bit. But yes, if you're asking, did I know he was brilliant and what he was coming? 100%. And Unfortunately. Just to, just to take you back, Harold Smallbid, you know, you, you said like the 208, you know, it was brilliant. You first saw Ireland medal, you were there, City West, etc. But then, was the feeling a whole pile different in 11, like then for you? Um, it's, 11 was just, for me, it was, um, I, I kind of knew that, I was the only person that was, I know it sounds bad, but I was kind of happy when we lost in 10 because I knew nothing's going to change until, until there was a loss at some stage. He's not just going to randomly make a change for the sake of it. It generally comes off the back of a loss or a draw 
then he starts making changes. So I would have seen that as an opportunity. And 11 was just an amazing year. Everything went extremely well for me um, in all the games. In anything that they played, the first Wexford game made a couple of saves against yourselves in the, in the Leinster final, made a, made a nice enough save then as well. And, uh, you, made you made a great save that day. You made a great save that day. And then, um, again, then you're looking at, you know, the all semi semi-final against Waterford and picked off a save. And it was, it was kind of, it was the final that I suppose was a turning point in my own head, career-wise. I would have, I would have let, again, let in a goal. But instead of, I, I think the, the difference between a lot of the great players and the good players is that they're able to mentally put behind. And I think that's what one of the great things about Owen is that he could drop a ball into the net, then 10 seconds later, just pick off a top corner save, like, Whereas I got kind of caught up and it started kind of in, in the dressing room afterwards where, you know, it would be a harsh enough environment. But I remember Ned Quinn coming over to me and he was, he was about to shake, he was shaking hands with the boys around me. And then he came over to me and he went, Jesus. I don't know, I don't know if I'd shake hands with you now, you nearly cost us. Jesus. So that was, so that was the start of that. And, and that's, thinking, not, you know, so that's you, only the county secretary like. <laughs> Yeah, but you're just kind of going, right, Jesus, okay, that's fair enough. And then we went into the Sunday game back in the City West and uh, I was nicely well on again. It doesn't take me to get, take much to get me well on now. But Don't I tell was, me you fell asleep in the toilet again now. No, I didn't. I possibly should have and I wish they had. But I went, I started shouting at Michael Lester as he was setting up. Um, and he clearly knew I was probably a little bit merry. So he turned around and goes, get him, get him up there. And so I went up with Eddie Brennan on today. And that, that to me now was a massive thing. I would have loved all my life just to get on Sunday game. Because I just thought, you, know, you grow up looking at G-boys on the Sunday game. And you just kind of knew you made it. It was part of an honour. You got on Sunday game, you made it. And uh, so I went on anyway. And then Michael Lester was trying to come up. He was trying to, he was talking off camera about Brian's tactics, about what Brian did. And I was like, sure, that you're like, None of that is tactics. That was just, you know, he was trying to make up that this score came from that and that hook came from that. And I was like, man, you haven't a clue. Like, that's, none of that was tactics. None of this was spoken about. This is completely off the cuff. So we went live and then he went, David, you just tell me about Brian's tactics off air. And I went, sarcastically, I went, oh, Brian's an absolute genius. Jesus, if there's ever a, a, a wonderful tactician, it's Brian. Like, you know, like, win your own ball and, you know, kind of get, you know, whatever a ball comes down, win your 50-50 battles and stuff like that. He said, oh, he's an absolute legend. So that was that. And Eddie Brennan was beside me and I could see him kind of, you know, cut the mic kind of, you know, Jesus, this is going. But I thought this was grand. The crowd were laughing. Everything was going, uh, you know, happy enough in my head anyway. And then it came down and uh, I just sat down in my seat and I was talking to Noel Hickey and Noel Hickey was there. If you ever talked to me, he has a Scooby-Doo laugh. But he was laughing away anyway. And then... Mick Dempsey and Martin called me over anyway. And then it was kind of a case of, do you realise, you know, and it was kind of this and it kind of killed the vibe a little bit, but they were like a massive amount. They were like, do you realise you nearly cost us this all earned today? Do you have any cop on that if, because of that goal, all the work we've put in all year, everyone has put in all year, could have been gone because of you. Do you realise that? And I was like, and then kind of, you know, the happiness is kind of, draining out of your face like I'm sure they were, the two of them were unleashed to kind of go sort this lad out fairly quickly he's getting a little bit ahead of his ahead of himself and that was it anyway and then that could have killed the buzz a, bit, a small bit that night but then 
I became psychotic then after that. Like, you know, it kind of came back and it, it, I became psychotic in all my training then in 2012. I became the most extreme person in everything that I did. Like, I'm talking, you know, there was all body, you know, there's body fats. Everyone did their body fats. It was a new thing in, but I started getting it down to 5%. I started realizing nothing will ever get in the way of, of, of me stopping this or costing the team a single thing again. I'll do that. Like, you know, if I, if I had a fun, one of the lads reminded me there recently, if, if there was a fun size bar, I would have, I would have halved it. Had that maybe with a cup of tea, that would have been one day. And then I'd save the rest of it for another day. But it was everything. Like, like I say, training at seven o'clock, you turn up at half five. Um, Jesus, just, just trying to get yourself in the best shape. But then I started picking up injuries and stuff like that. But I remember we, remember we played G in, in 2012 in that Leinster semi-final. Oh, yeah, hockey does, yeah. Yeah, hockey G, and it was it was kind of built up as the two kingpins in, in Leinster. We 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 played out that eleven goal bloody thriller in the league and all that and, and so on. And then we went out and played well. But I remember running out in that field. I built myself up so much to be the best of the best of the best. I hadn't uh, if you'd uh, thrown a ball at me from fifty yards, I would have went into the net that day. I had nothing in me, nothing in the system. And I remember then just thinking, I just I kind of. I let that whole 11 and the goal and all that kind of stuff uh, get to me. Stupidly. Should and never think, have, but did. Yeah, but you, would you blame yourself more for that? Or, you know, I know, like, in, I know now, obviously, for us, it was a rarity. It was the first time in 81 years. But Davey obviously let in the stinker in 95, just before half time. But I mean, that night, it would have been, you, you could have said whatever you wanted because people were just delirious. Yeah. Maybe it's just, is that just more, maybe that's that Kilkenny ruthless attitude to keep winning and, 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 and that kind of thing kind would, you, of it, would you blame yourself for letting I that would it, it's, 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 does it, I, I'd be extremely competitive you know a perfectionist and everything like, again I remember that day if you're talking about 12 and I kept a clean sheet against you in the Leinster semi-final and then reporters kind of came over to me afterwards because it could have been the last let in or first let in and they're like what did you see in the game and I could, we could have got bet by 100 points I was after getting hooked that day and that to me was gone. That game was the worst game of my life and, and so on. So it was just a case that unless I had this absolutely incredible day, I was a fierce, just a fierce frustration, fierce kind of, I let everything just get to me then that, that kind of even. And it's a rare thing that I could look back in a game and go, my God, love that. Absolutely brilliant. It was perfect. But it was, it was I think it's on the biggest stage as well. And then kind of, even in Levin, it, 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 and again, you'd love to have won an All-Star and stuff like that. But then, you know, on papers after, like, if I could go back in a time machine, the one thing I'd say to myself is just burn every single paper. Don't go near it. And, but it is, it's, I would have, yeah, I would have bet myself up about it. And then but, I got myself back again in 14. Then I got back on the team. Yeah. And got my good. headspace right and got a wonderful headspace. You were, in a, you, were, you were in a different place uh, in 14, I'd say, when you got back in, when you, after the whole 13. In, in 13, it, was, it came up, um, I got, key, like where you kind of go from your highs of, of, I suppose, 11 and 12, you still won. Then I got, I got uh, as I said, I picked up a couple of injuries when I started looking like a, Jesus, a cyclist. I had nothing on me, absolutely skin and bone. And I'd torn the rotator cuff and, and I'd gone off and got a keyhole in that in April. And when I came back, there was a, I was back down to third goalie. They brought in another goalie. So it was now outfield. So you kind of went down with that and you just, you kind of had to kind of come back with the attitude of just positive. I, I figured coming into 14, I was just going to give absolutely everything I could. I knew I was retiring at the end of the year. 
Yeah. That was out the gap, no matter what. And I just kept the, the just everything was just positive. Just I, I set up the, the players kind of WhatsApp group just to get a bit of buzz going. I just figured, geez, if you're sub goalie, you may as well be a, your glorified mascot there for 90% of the year. But it was just keeping that positive, positive vibes going the whole time. And that's why it was, it was great then when, um, well, I, I, in fairness to Brian as well, he did give me every second game at own. And he said that, you're playing goal, on playing goal until I messed up against ye again. Sorry, against in the league up in Parnell Park. Lost the ball in the lights, went into the net. And that was me finished then. Until 2000 and until sorry against Galway, the Leinster semi final. But Brian can be quite ruthless like that as well. That Owen probably didn't have the best Leinster semi final or Leinster quarter final against Offaly. And then when the chance came up and he went down injured in the first five minutes of the Leinster semi final, Brian just turned around and goes, David, you're on. And it was that to me was it's probably still one of the biggest highlights the fact that he had the confidence of turning around and going, I'm putting you on in the Leinster semi final after five minutes of a game. You know, and then and then the funny thing is, and and again, this goes back to the psychology of Brian. He came in after the dressing room, amazing. Like you know, he he was coming over and he was joking, going, "Who's this new guy?" You know, and you're like, "Look, you know," and he was big smile from ear to ear. And I think he was nearly thrilled, I suppose, in a way, for myself that I didn't let I didn't start letting negativity creep in, which is very easy for subs to do or as they as they get on. And again in the in the Leinster finally came in after the Leinster final, Alan Nolan had gotten man the match and he came in and he goes, Why didn't you get it? And again, that my instant reaction was that is that sarcasm? Is he saying that I messed up because I messed up I did mess up or something or whatever like that? But then and then against Limerick, we're in Carton House and he turns around and he goes, Don't think for a second you won't play against Limerick. Now, if Brent Cody says that to you, you, you feel on top of the world. You feel absolutely amazing. And then, and I felt amazing going into that match. And then the heavens opened. And it's it just... Amazing. It, was, it was an amazing day uh, for a game. Harold. It, was, it, 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 it was the most bizarre, bizarre game I've ever in my life played. Like normally you have five goalies hurls and, you know, four of them are just there for show kind of. Uh, but I'd gone all the way down into the cool tech at that stage. Like and you know anything, just anything that looks or remotely looks dry, and I kind of that day I decided in my head that no matter what, I wasn't going to give them any score. So even if the ball's going over the bar, I'm going to take it down. And so in the day, like I took down a couple that were going over the bar, and there was a few skirmishes around the goal. And still, I suppose looking back, and I did that recently. Look back in the game, probably pulled off two of the best saves I pulled off, and took down about three that were going over the bar. But the carnage that erupted after I took down the ball just looked like mayhem around the goal. So I've gone then afterwards, and I was nervous enough about this. And then uh, the very first training session back, Brian came over and he goes, you look nervous. Sorry, you, 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 you. I've kind of been looking at him out of the corner of my eye train scene. You'd often do this kind of going, is he looking at me? Is he smiling at me? If he's not smiling at me, you know, is he annoyed at me? Um, and you'd start reading into things that aren't even remotely there. Um, and then he came over and goes, you look nervous. And I said, no, I'm not nervous. He goes, you look nervous, though. And I went, no. And he goes, well, you seem nervous. Why are you nervous? <laughs> and there'd always be these little diggy things going on. Like, he'd always, he'd always try and nick away at you. I don't know why. I think he just, he knew I would react. Like, even earlier on that year, we were having a one-to-one -one meeting. Mick and Martin were to my, to my right, and they were asking me questions. And as they were asking me questions, Brian was eating a scone, but he just kept going, you're too old. <laughs> and I and I'd look Sorry at him enough. and he'd he'd look down. 
And then I'd look back up again. I'd go, right, obviously, that's a bit strange. But I'd look back over to the right to Martin and make him continue on the conversation and Brian would go again. Too old. And he'd look down again. So this, like, I kind of wonder, what's the, it's gone. And it's like, even another, geez, another one there is the GPA. I, I was, 2014 was probably my best year as, as playing away, but the GPA wanted to come down. You know like they do when they want to have a yeah. chat with the lads. And, so I organised, I was a GPA rep, and um, came down anyway and organised it in Langton's. And I got a text message then. It was just before the, we're playing Offaly in the Leinster quarterfinal. I got a text message off Brian anyway, going, David, call over before you leave. So I was like, preparing myself, you know, going, this is me getting back into the goal. So he sits down and he goes, what's going on in the meeting over there? And I said, well, GPA are there, like, and they're doing their, you know, they're just talking away about stuff. And he was like, what are they talking away about? And uh, I said, look, they're talking away about, uh, you know, what courses for lads and maybe if they need whatever, whether it's psychology or uh, there's some grants there or if lads are thinking of retiring what they'll do and then he just came in straight away and goes I'd say that you're interested in that now <laughs> and, and I, I like that I remember Mick Dempsey was there putting butter on his chips there to my left and himself and Sling and McGarry were there laughing away and I was thinking oh Christ you know it, you know, it was an awful kick in the teeth going Jesus you go from thinking you're going to be back in the team to this but he's but like that's it. Like that's the Jekyll and Hyde with him. Like you just you never know where you fit with him. Yeah. And you over will, the next while, like look, Nam was a bit the same, I suppose. And I think I obviously I I firmly believe that Cody picked up a lot a lot on the way. Look, Nam worked. Obviously, yeah. you know he'd way more success, and you can't never dispute any of that. Like you couldn't compare them in terms of what they won. But um, they were. He was a bit the same like that. Cause you never you never knew what he was thinking. It seems to me like you had you, you the topsy-turvy relationship with him from the get-go. Like, I, I, think, I, I, think, I think I read somewhere where you said the best chat you, ha- you ever had with him was after you rang him to meet him to say you were retiring at the end of 14. Like, Yeah, and, but I, I would have rang him and I don't walk it into my head. I was thinking, um, Jesus, Brian, you know, Brian, can I chat, have a chat with you? And he was like, yeah, no bother at all. And, uh, you know, and then I said, should I meet you over in your house? And he goes, no. Um, I was like, well, man, grand, I'll, I'll meet you in the Spring Hill. But I kind of, I look at, even throughout that whole year, like it was going extremely well until it started get going kind of on the rocks then again, even, I suppose, to kind of sum it up, even the, the night of the homecoming, um, I would have been dro- dropped for the final and all that, and, and that kind of crack now. But the, coming up to the, the homecoming, it was an open top bus, and I don't know, I just kind of, I was nearly full of frustration, just of kind of, Jesus, it shows some bit of emotion to the fact that I've been dropped. Like even walking in out of Crow Park, he was walking ahead of me and I was thinking, just turn around there, say something. Just say, yeah. I don't know. But he, I remember he opened the door and he wouldn't turn around. He just, you know, held the door open without turning around. So I was just thinking, right, Jesus. And there was probably a little bit of kind of frustration going up or brewing up in me, but um, we're on the open top bus and we're coming past Nolan Park and the place was absolutely electric and the crowd was mental and I started shouting up at him you know saying hey Brian you know and which is an unusual thing to do anyway when he's at the top <laughs> of the bus to start calling him out I goes where are all these people back in November down in Moonkine and we started training and he was kind of looking at me and then he's you know he was whispering away to Mick Dempsey and the two of them you could see were just kind of going this lad this lad is reaching his end fairly soon. <laughs> You'd see the lads in the bus were just going, oh, sweet, jumping Christ. This is, 
it's not going well. And he was getting even more, I, the closest I ever got to finding out how he, what he felt of me or felt or thought of me anyway was in Langton's afterwards when, when Sheffield was getting a big cake. Sheffield um, at the homecoming, the, the Monday night, they came out, Langton's came out with this absolutely gigantic 10 cake, an absolutely mother of a yoke. And then they came over to Brian with a cupcake, 10. <laughs> and Brian was sitting there. He was sitting with his back to me anyway. And they gave him the cake. And he started looking at us. And he said, uh, what's wrong with you, Brian? What's wrong? You look, you, look a little, you look a little angry. What's wrong with you, Brian, there? That's kind of stuff. And he started looking at me. He goes, do you want the cake? And I went, yeah. And I started licking the top of the cake. And he goes, all right, good man. And he goes, do, do you really? And I said, you looked angry. And he goes, well, do you really want to know what I think? Do you? And I said, well, yeah. And he says, do you really honestly want to know what I think of you? And I was just about to get to finally, after seven years, and then his wife Elsie gave him a nudge and he goes, Brian, stop. And that was it. I don't think that was as close. I just, I would have felt he was about to unleash hell. God knows what would have come out of his mouth, but that was that. And then I met up with him in Spring Hill that late, that I think it was November anyway, and I kind of went right to retiring. And then he calmed down and had a great chat with him for two hours. But I think to sum him up, He's, he's everything to anyone. Whatever you think he is, he is. You think he's, a, he's the most generous guy in the world and the most charitable lad, he is. And I've heard amazing stories about him. If you think he's the most ruthless man in the world, he is. Absolutely. You can protest me to that. If you, if you think he's, he's, he rules like a tyrant, well, then so be it. If he's a great man manager, well, some people, if they think that, well, then so be it. But he, his, the, the phrase that he kind of said to me there was in Spring Hill is that he's not here to build friendships. He's here to build a legacy. And that, to me, sums him up. Like, yeah. couldn't would care you, less. Would you have felt that was across the board, or Hero? Like, that was like uh, I know in Jackie's book now as well. He didn't really um, lettering with praise, like in terms of one to ones or that. But would you have felt there was some lads like, like I know, like um, you know, you hear the stories over the years and all this crack. Like TJ was going to walk away in two thousand twelve, only. Henry talked him around. Imagine TJ Reid not being there like since 2012. Yeah, well, that, that, that came out the back of uh, uh, that came the back of, of we had just played Galway in the Leinster semi-final and we had then we were playing you know in the, in the run-up to the All-Ireland quarter finally got dropped TJ got dropped and then the All-Ireland semi-final we were away in Carton House and we were watching clips on, on Tipperary and watching clips on ourselves and then we just had TJ Reid clips so we just turned around in the middle and kind of went, TJ, you're wondering why you were dropped the last day. Here's why. And it was two awful clips of TJ. There was one where he went up for a ball, missed it, and then just kept running. Just did a big massive loop around. And then, and that was it. Richie Hogan actually had it. And Richie had three lads on him and he was trying to shake them off. But TJ had done this loop around and just gone off. And that was it. And then there was another one where Earl Tanyan was running. TJ was running after him. And then Earl Tanyan skipped past someone. And TJ gave up. And it was kind of a case of, there you go. And that, it was kind of, it was kind of on the back of that going, if you're one, you know, if you're wondering why you're going to, you're, you potentially are getting dropped, it's because of your attitude like that. Now, having said that, TJ played against Tipperary, played against Galway in the next two games and won an All-Star. So, again, once you win, that was genius. Yeah, like, and I, I'd be, you know, my own way, of, I'd be horrified to do that, uh, lad, like, what it might do to him. But as you say then, there'd be other lads out there who are, the critics of the, of the managers and whatever and who wins and that's the way to do it ruthless Reed Reed never you could say a lad no you know a layman would say oh, I wouldn't have been there but would have heard the story said 
Reed never looked back after that night in Carton House. Of course not. But, <laughs> and that's it. But there, it could have broken him as a guy as well. Like. And that's it. Like, and again, you have to be like, like that. And I wish kind of, you know, even in 11, that I, I was a small bit mentally stronger to just take the bit of criticism. You know, I'd stepped over the mark by kind of slagging him off in the, the Sunday game. Because early enough, that was never actually on the, the clip. They edited it out. So, yeah. If you ever go looking for it, you'll never see it. For some reason, it was edited out the next day. Um, but if... Yeah, you're, and a lot of lads did crumble. And a lot of lads did fail. You know, a lot of lads were never seen again. They were dropped for a match. And they were just kind of just pushed aside. And, and again, like I say, in 2014, if you didn't come with a positive attitude... Well, then you were just cast aside. And a lot of lads had bad attitudes after 2010. And they would have had one-to-one meetings. There's enough of them out there. And Brian would have went, okay, off you go. You know, you're annoyed? Fair enough, off you go. And that's it. And Because you just had a conveyor of, of young lads coming through nonstop. And that kind of fed off the 2003 and 4 under-21 teams. And then it would have fed off the 2010 team that won the under-21 All-Ireland. You know, the TJs, Richie Hogan's and the Colin Finley's and so on. Connor Fogarty. But, you know, he doesn't have that anymore. You know, he doesn't have an under-21 squad that's coming through or two under-21 teams that are quickly in succession coming through all-Ireland winning teams. I remember dropping Jerry Quinn, like, uh, for some disciplinary thing, as you would with Jerry, uh, around 205 or two, early 206. Knowing for definite I'd be bringing him back because I hadn't a half-back, a wing-back like yeah. him in the next parish in Clare. Do you know and he was the kind of guy that could mark Eddie Brennan and mark these guys, you know. And we eventually met the Kenny that year's All Ireland semi final and Quinn, like defiant to the last. Like, but I couldn't afford, I wanted to lay down a marker. And I did drop him off the panel. Like, I let him go for about two and a half full weeks. <laughs> but then yeah. I just said, look, between interventions between Father Harry was a selector of me. And, you know, I, I, I would have thought, and as well with us, like, as well, not to be talking about us now, we're talking about you. And look, man, like, as well, like, there were some guys after 97, let's say, there were 23 or 4, and they were virtually gone. You could count on one hand the amount of championship appearances. And these guys had won two All-Irelands on the team nearly. And, and, and their confidence was just shattered, like, between being riddled in training like you're, you're a disgrace or you're, you're whatever like you know and yeah. dropped dropped and taken off and, and, and just not even brought on in the following day and you could sense the confidence draining out of these and I was captain like for a long period of all this and trying my best to talk to these guys to say look don't let it get you you know you're a great player you've proven it and that kind of thing but I, I would have felt we lost three or four crucial fellas that might have got us one more All-Ireland had they held that confidence. Now, I know you got a lot of them. I know we did, yeah, but there is a bit of foresight kind of looking down uh, and I would have thought that small, smallest bit more man management. I, I think Brian is brilliant, but if he, in what he's, geez, in what he's achieved and the way he's achieved it, you know, you can't argue with it, but a small bit more man management would have, for me, would have kept a few of these younger lads going. Like, I know... Richie Hogan's brother, Paddy, after we lost G in the replay, or after we drew with G in the first match in mm-hmm. Port Leash. But again, Brian would have showed the first 20 minutes before the next, before the, between the, the match and the replay. And he would have just watched the first half. And, you know, Paddy got hooked at one stage and then he went to pull it on the ground. I think he hit the, hit the ground rather than the ball. And Brian just turned around, like throwing the hands up. And, but you just knew at the end of that year, Paddy was the only lad dropped off that. Mm-hmm. So even though we, 
we didn't get to the All-Ireland semi-final Cork best in All-Ireland quarter-final he just singled out one lad and he, he could do that and you know I, maybe if PJ had pulled off a couple of those saves in the, the five in a row even if we'd lost but he pulled off two saves maybe PJ would have stayed on for another year you just don't know but sometimes something gets into his head and then nothing will take it out and a lot of the selectors are kind of say that as well he'll come with his team they'll all come with their teams their four teams he'll have his team and they'll wait there till five in the morning until his team is picked. <laughs> so every single time. And the, the selectors will say that. You know, you'd be joking. you kind of go on, Jesus, what, you know, your man's playing half back and they look up, don't look at me, nothing to do with me kind of size. Yeah. Tough, tough man, like, but he's, uh, then again, he's won. So you can't argue with it, Fancy. That's, 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 no, that's, that's, that is the team, like, and it's the same with our man, you know, he, I mean, we won two. Uh, for the first time in 81 years so yeah. that for every clear person is just he's the messiah did you get, did you get on well with him now? did you like would you have a bit of a crack you know a cracking trainer or was it just no was it? Um, like, not really like to be honest now he'd savage us constantly from January right through um, he might let the guard down if he won Munster have the crack yeah. bit with you that night then as we won maybe the second Munster meant a lot team beating Tip sorry Larry but did did he he driven that down our necks but then even beating Waterford in the third one like he, that really but then from the All Ireland final or whenever the season finished and we went on a holiday he'd be great crack Do you know he'd be great mm. old fun and that but like that like he just gets something in his head I remember one time he saying to me sometimes he used to confide in me. And I don't mean confide is the wrong word, but he'd ask me something that I thought, yeah. Jesus, why is he asking me this? Like, but he wasn't even listening to my answer, I swear. He just, if <laughs> I came up with something that clicked with him, you know, I yeah. often give him three or four reasons why uh, as an answer to the question. And I know that he went in one ear and out the other. Whereas there was one or two times where, you know, he'd something I might have just said, well, I don't know about the way we're carrying on there. And, you're right. <laughs> yes. And clicked and gone. He didn't want to. He thought of it, didn't straight away. I didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, I, no. That's, that's... Like, I, I wouldn't have won anything for you, only for him either, though, Hero, you know, and that's where me, probably you may not have won All Ireland's only for Cody either. So that's my take. Well, I have one, one famous one with Lucknam was like 98 when the saga with Offaly was, was going on and the Sparrow, Sparrow was moving on at this stage. He was up around, gone past the 30 mark and, Oh, the legs weren't hectic and we're bringing him on as a sub and he says to me, Dale, oh, I'm going to start the Sparrow the next day. Oh, there's a blue light. This is just down the corner. How are you? Oh, geez, you look, you're really fit and all. Coming up to the match, he'd really blow you up, you know? And uh, he says, I'm going to start the Sparrow on Sunday. And he, Lord to mercy, his father, John James, was as alive at the time and, and uh, he died later that year, actually. But he, he said, I was just outside with the father this morning. He said, when you reach a certain age, you're better off starting and coming off when you've given everything because you're warmed up. Sitting down yeah. there for 45 or 50 minutes is no good now for the likes of Sparrow. And I, I just thought, bizarrely, like, I was coming home in the car with the Sparrow, like, and I says, you're starting on Sunday. And I said, am I? He says, and he hadn't been starting, like, yeah, I think his father said something to him there about that was going to be too tough on your body to be sitting down for 55 minutes or whatever Jesus that's great to hear anyway he says <laughs> bizarre people uh, yeah and you'd, you'd, you'd have them oh Christ I mean, even again in uh, just thinking up of what you're saying there in 2014 
uh, before the All-Ireland final against Tip, he was like, you'll all pick a player because we, we'd heard the Tip. But this is right before, the, right before we go out onto the field. And I know you're talking about tactics and all that. But this is 10 minutes before we go out onto the field. He goes, I hear Tip might be running all over the place. So each of you pick a player. And he goes, Paul Murphy, who are you going to pick? And Paul went like, you know, I'll pick number 13. He goes, okay, JJ, who's fullback, who are you going to pick? I'll pick the 14, Grant. Jackie, who are you going to pick? I'll pick 15. So they just picked exactly who a number would be. And the, the tactic was that when the ball goes out dead, you go back into your position. So even if Shamey Callan runs out half four, JJ was going to follow him out there, but then they'd get back into their positions. So this was just hard, but anyway. So of course, the, the first ball that went out of play was a sideline. So Bubbles just put the ball back down and actually the ball's in play again. So now this whole thing, now lads don't know, was that out of play or is a wide out of play or is a, you know, is a free out of play? So we get torn asunder and run ragged all over the place. And then back in uh, Nolan Park then, we had a meeting with just the backs of how we concede it as much as we concede it. And uh, <laughs> like that, he was going around looking for the answer. But he was looking for the answer of somebody. And Jackie... Uh, I didn't want to come up straight away. And Jackie said, well, maybe we shouldn't have, you know, just decided this tactic 10 minutes before we went out into the field. And I, and I doubled down on it. And he turned around to me and he goes, you're only, you're only in here to start shit. And I was like, <laughs> like, Jackie just said that. I just doubled up on it. Like, you know, but at that stage, it was kind of, I was gone from goalie back to sub-goalie. So, no, you're only in here to start Stir rubbish. You just stay quiet until someone would kind of go, well, maybe, you know, we need to toughen up and maybe we need to... That's all he was looking for. Maybe we need to toughen up and get tighter and beat them. And he was like, yes, there you go. Now, who said that? You're playing yeah. the next day. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it was a, co- a complex relationship, Harold. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure, look, it's, it's all going to be in my book. I'm bringing out I... Join the Dots, a colour book on myself and Brian here. But then, then Hero, you nearly went straight away into management with the Dublin Camogie. Um, well, not quite straight away, but it took a year maybe. But, um, I know, yeah. And would you have taken his trade? Years in, then would you? You, I mean, you were very successful. I mean, you brought him to the first semi-final in Donkey's years. Like. Um, yeah. Would uh, you have taken some of his traits? I did. I took I, the very simple. Went in and wouldn't talk to any of them. That was rule number one. Don't talk to them in the dressing room. Don't talk to, don't talk to them in... Or say the usual, are you ready today? Be ready. Well, I wouldn't talk to them in the car park. Wouldn't... Sorry, I was selector. With Shane O'Brien that brought me oh, the selector. Sorry. So I... In those 2016. So that was my first thing that I did. I just said I'd be as rude and as distant as I possibly could. Just distant, I suppose. Not rude, but distant. And just come in and keep barking every so often. And that was it. And that was my job. Until Michael O'Grady, wonderful man... Strange, oh, he's an amazing man. He's my pretty much my mentor, has been. I still ring him the whole time. But he just came in and goes like, "You're, you know, you're, you're not Brian. You can't do what you're doing. They need to be spoken to, and obviously be with respect. And they need to, someone that's going to actually coach them and bring them on and get down into the nitty gritty. And old bark at them is not going to collectively bring on this group. And uh, he's dead right. And then it just. I kind of saw a few things that, which Shane was there, that we could improve in 1718. Then I took over as manager and like that, it was, but you know, I just, a huge amount of credit went down to the likes of Mike and I had Sandra Tarrant, John Matthews in with me again that year as well in the background. But there are people that knew the back, the club scene. And it was, it was, a, mm. it was, it was brilliant just to, I was delighted. I was very fortunate to have Michael O'Grady as a mentor. He's, he's done a huge amount for myself just in the background and have him for, for the years that I did. 
But it, it was a huge learning curve, the whole thing, all right. But it was very enjoyable. If I had a regret, Hero, I'd have to say for Michael. And she, Michael brought me off playing Shinty back in 93. He's having the Sparrow to Inverness. For, this was going to be the highlight of my career, like. <laughs> um, but I, I should have tapped more into Michael. But my attitude very much going to Dublin was out with the old, in with a completely yeah. new brush, you know, and Michael had been there in and out and sure he was incredible in support with us with in terms of the friends of Dublin Hurling and all that, but I probably should have tapped into him a bit more, I, I would feel. Um but I'd have had a good relationship with him now. We we never had a cross word or anything like that. But I'd say maybe that he felt that maybe I didn't make enough of them as supporters and and, and uh maybe I could have had a bit a stronger personal relationship with him and I, I think I should have in hindsight, you know. Then David, like I suppose, through no fault of your own, and I know from great friends in Dublin, obviously with Camogie connections, were really disappointed with the way it ended by the in, for nineteen, and yeah, big plans for nineteen, and, and just like yeah, the, the strength and condition was just changed without you you being even informed. Well, that was it. Like I, I knew John Matthews, who had been with me and done a brilliant job there for for the previous two years. Yeah, he was he was moving on, and uh, I I'd, I'd spoken to the the county board about this, and and said to them, look, I'm hoping to get someone else in if that's all right. And they said no bother whatsoever, and I was grand. Now they had they had muted that that at the time that they were hoping maybe that they might get Philly McMahon in to do a job with kind of the underage teams and so on, and and try and have some bit of continuity with everything going. And, and that's fair enough. Philly was a a big name, and it would have been huge for Dublin Camogie as well. Um, but I just. I knew he wasn't the right fit for myself, put it that way. And uh, and I went off and I found myself a new strength and conditioning coach, uh, Stephen Harold, who I have now at the moment with with Kildare. Um, phenomenal, he's in as a performance coach with me, myself. But it was just, uh, yeah. Then the kind of I said, look, it's okay. I I, I might use Philly McMahon's gym if that's all right. Like if that's what you still want to do to have everyone still connected with Philly McMahon, if that's something. And they said, yeah, there was no bother. So I checked everything out. And next thing I went over to Philly to check out his gym, and he went, but I'm in with the seniors. I'm in with everyone. I'm the strength and conditioning coach. So then I went back to the county board, and they're like, yeah, no, Philly's in. We signed a contract in back in July. And then, so there was a mass bit of confusion going. Well, why was I spend? Why did I spend the last six weeks trying to get myself a strength and conditioning coach, trying to find facilities? And I said, I'm not going to be working with Philly. I'd prefer to bring in my own man. And they went, Well, it's look at we've signed the contract, so it's either you go to Philly or you're gone. So that was it. It was done. So it was after a year of coaching and two years of management. That was the end of that. It was kind of just done over the space of I'd say less than 24 hours. You kind of went from manager to, No, we're done here. So, um, ah, yeah, there was big plans because the, the, the group were, I don't know how many times I, you know, I would have said to the group, I bloody loved this group. Like, they're just, they were, they're fierce passion, they were fantastic in, in what they did. Um, you know, the, the commitment levels of the girls and it's, it's unfortunate that in a lot of developing counties, there is a huge turnover. That's the, that's the major killer. I, I think a lot of these counties, whether it's in Camogie, whether it's outside the top, I suppose, Tree, the Galway, Cork and Kilkenny, and then kind of, you know, obviously you have the Lee McCarthy and, and, as you start getting down into Joe McDonough, then you start, you know, Eddie Brennan would have lost a lot of players there with Leash there as well. You just don't know what panel you have from year to year. And whoever can actually keep the players together generally is going to go on a fair old run. And I would have lost a lot in 17, would have lost another load in 18, but then got some back. And then in 19, they were all going to come in together. But um, 
Ah, look, it, it went exactly the way I thought. For after a year, then they they broke the ties with Philly anyway in the end. So it was just, I suppose there was no winners out of the whole thing. Yeah, probably their loss uh, more than yours. Even you know, I, just, I know you'd you'd like to finish the job and gone taking them as far as you possibly thought you could. I suppose that's that's every manager's kind of thing. So Kildare came knocking then, Dave, and that was like there is. I I would see. Sometimes that we waste our times with, you know, I know Martin's coaching will be great and he'd be taken up from where Potty Butler was and going around to some counties. And for me, that could be wasted a bit and some counties are never going to reach a level. But for me, Kildare, you know, we obviously know the Joe McDonough counties, right? And, yeah. and, and we need to get Offaly back now and you don't need to get them back this year. But, <laughs> um, like, there is hope in Kildare, though. You know, Phil and the Gales and all that would tell you that. Uh, and look, there's a, there's a huge amount of talent, and I would have, again, when I was uh, trained the the Trinity team, we would have played them back in a Welsh Cup, train, played against Kildare. I couldn't get over, it. I, and said I don't know how many times the every player seemed to be about six foot something, massive, big, strong, well built lads. Um, strength and conditioning seemed to be excellent. This is when Joe Quaid was was over them uh, back in it would have been probably 2017, and. You know they were they were they were phenomenal they 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 were phenomenally big and they had the skill and the strength and it was just I saw this as an, a massive opportunity. You know they, again they were just off the back of the, the the winning the Christie Ring as well there back in 2018. It was just fierce and fortunate. Like anything, then it's about the players and trying to have a continuity between one year and the next. And I just found that when it came in, there was 32 lads, and then all of a sudden we lost 16, which was a fair old chunk of a panel to try and start rebuilding from then again. But I'm probably blessed in one way that I, because everything happened fairly quickly, probably the move from Dublin Camogie over to Kildare, I didn't know who I was missing. So by the time I did know who I was missing, the club, you know, we were ha- very happy with the panel that we had, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I, di- I, I didn't have enough time to kind of start moaning. You know, like when you were with Dublin, you'd, you'd have a fair idea who who's gone or who's not after coming back and so on. Probably only looking at one or two, but Kildare had a good few, but I'm, I'd be very happy now that we kept on to most of the panel off last year, which is a massive success for ourselves. And you can see the team is building now again nicely. There's a lot of young lads. Nace are obviously a massive club. You've our clock and Selbridge and Clay and, and the likes of Manute there as well. So it, it's, yeah, there, there's, there's, and I suppose Kyle Love then as well would have lost a good few of those lads. But there's a serious amount of work going in at, at, at county board level, Colin Nolan there as well, and John Dorn, Paul Dewey, these lads in, and Decky O'Toole. So they are starting in development. I see exactly what you mean there about putting the resources in. Um, I do think Kildare will eventually, they will make the breakthrough. There's no doubt about it. They, they are a county on the up. It's just a matter of making sure that when you do go up, that you have uh, enough of a conveyor belt coming behind. Because what you do see now is just a yo-yo. Like you'll see, like of Carlo going up to the Lee McCarthy, getting back and coming back down again. Do they have another twenty-one team to kind of keep that going? Yeah. Whereas you see the Kildare Miners last year went on a very good run and got to the Leinster semi-final, and this year they have a fairly favourable group then as well, or a favourable uh, side of the draw as well, so they could get to find themselves all of a sudden in the Leinster semi-final. So we start getting a few of these lads in. It's massively important, but that's why it's also massively important that we get a few games in the Christie Ring this year. And it's not just a case of a once-off game against Offaly, which is like, the only way any of these counties ever are going to develop is if they play matches. Why, why the, David? I know, I know you went public on this. Why did you, what was their justification for going knockout under Christy Ring? There is none. 
is we didn't hear anything back. I, I would see that they they have to have everything ran off by the the fifteenth of November because then they have the the ceremonies coming up and then they have other semi-finals and they have quarterfinals and hurling and so on. So Crow Park is going to be full up. So they want the finals in Crow Park and there was only one time slot and that was four weeks after we start. So I suppose anyone would have said then, well then to have four weeks, we're going to have to have a break between the semi-final and final. So that means we can only have three games. So quarterfinal, semi-final, final. But like, you know, that kind of did away with the, the group games. They could have easily done three... It was supposed to be four in each group. So three group games and the top team go into a final. At least you've got three games. Or even the old system where you win two games, you play two games. If you win two of them, you go into semi-final. You win one and lose one, you go into a quarter-final. If you lose two, you go into the relegation final. We've put in that proposal to Crow Park. It still doesn't change the date. Just, the only thing it means is if you get to the final, you play four weeks in a row. But I'd say, I'd say any county player is going to take your hand off to play four weeks in a row at this stage. Rather than just a once-off game. And then that's you done head off into relegation there and try and develop. Because with all these kind of younger lads, any of these, any, any of these developing counties are all dual counties, with probably football being the most prominent sport in the county. It's extremely important then that the hurling, like it would be, it would be brilliant that if Kildare did go out and you know, they got a few games obviously with the football there this year, but so did the hurlers. Same weekends and you have a bit of an atmosphere around the place and it's, it's the only thing that's going to develop these players. He's young, and it is a very young panel that's there at the moment, which is great to see. And they are coming along lovely. So I just, I hope Crow Park see a bit of sense, see the see the positives in that, because otherwise it's just it is it's an awful blow to the system. Then for a lot of the counties and the you know even the Nicky Rackers have been, managers have been on since the whole thing has started, and kind of just complaining as well that it's just it just goes against everything that they've been trying to build over the last few years. Yeah, the mind, the mind boggles, to be honest. I know if you told us seven or eight weeks ago, we'd have uh, Christy Ring and a Joe McDonough and Liam McCarthy and the rest of the competitions, we'd, we'd probably have taken your hand off. But it just boggles that it's to make it a knockout after all that. But honestly, I, I, I wouldn't mind if it was just if it was a straight knockout, Joe McDonough was a straight knockout and Liam McCarthy was a straight knockout, yeah. I'd say fair enough. But Joe McDonough played four group games and then a final. So there's plenty of weekends there, like they could throw it around. So it's, it's yeah, look, it, it does, the mind boggles, but then again, there's plenty of time and maybe we're hoping and see that they were just draft fixtures and that they might change again. <laughs> maybe we only got the draft ones. Who knows? Get on to, get on to Mick Finley there and see will he back you up there. Uh, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough draw for him as well. Your old pal, your old pal, like, you know. Uh, David, uh, you, we've taken up enough of your morning. We got you away from the strawberries for a few hours. Um, Thanks for that. I've no doubt, I've no doubt, given the time and the backing, you'll make a success of that Kildare job because I, I, you know, even from talking to you and from knowing you from the past, that everything goes into it and, and uh, probably have learned, as you, as, you, as you have told us about in the last hour and a half, that, that you've learned about yourself and about ways and, and picked up on the good stuff and tried to leave, leave some of the stuff behind you that you didn't think was, was great. So... Pleasure, pleasure to have you and, and look the best of luck in your quarterfinal. Um, and I know you won't see your players now bar Zoom until the 14th of September. So um, don't, 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 get susp- Hero, don't get suspended on us. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Don't you worry, but I'm not. I'm not going to, tr- no, I won't. It'll be the 14th. I'll be happy enough. We'll have, we'll have, look, we'll have four weeks then and I'll do the job. Once everyone does the same as well, Anthony, that's the main thing. That's that's the one, that's the big thing. Call it out. I said it. I went on RT on Saturday with Colin O'Rourke, which can be intimidating enough at times. Uh, and I just said, "Well, call it out." So I call him. If if we're going making this rule, call it out. 
there's no point this wishy-washy we're not calling it out one week we are the following week but um, we depended on clubs now to rat out the counties and anyway look Hero we, that could, we could do another hour on this <laughs> but look come here thanks thanks so much for joining us and again another podcast done and I think just another another quality listen for for the people that are jogging and cycling and I'd be joining them very soon or they'd be no getting into suits for Sunday games later on the year. <laughs> Thanks, lads. No, no bother at all, Anthony. All the best, lad. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.